morning. Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. I'm excited to step into God's presence. I'm excited to be filled with all the fullness of Christ this morning. Um, I'm excited just to worship him. Uh, There's not a single time that we come into his presence that I leave disappointed. It's never happened. Will never happen. So I encourage you this morning as we worship, enter in. Um, As we worship, it's so important that we remove the distractions that the enemy will bring us. Last week, in the middle of worship, that red square, the line, the third one down, the line was going the opposite way. And I noticed it during the communion song. I'm worshiping, and I just saw, I was like, oh, that's wrong. That's so very wrong. I don't understand that. Why, why would that ever be put up like that? And it just started. And I was like, oh, no way. No, no way. I see you. We'll talk about you later. I'm busy right now. I'm worshiping. So I was protecting my worship, protecting my mental space. And here's the thing, church, is that when you do that, you're doing it so that you can connect in with the presence of God wholeheartedly, so that you are receiving, giving and receiving all, all. And when we do that, we are actually making space for the people around us. Because when his presence falls, the people around you feel it. They feel it. So you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for the person next to you, behind you, in front of you, and all around you. And if we would all do it, if we would all do it, and the presence and the power of God was being fully hosted in each one of us, imagine, imagine the move of God across the sanctuary. So I think about that. And it helps me when something tries to come in. You know, or the kids. I mean, you know, look at, I've got like a whole host of them down here. And so sometimes I talk to them, but it doesn't get in the way of my worship. It's like a part of my worship almost. Um, So I just encourage you this morning. um, Be intentional. Be intentional about entering into worship. Be intentional about hosting the presence and the Spirit of God this morning. Amen. Well, stand with me, church. I'm going to do a call call to worship this morning out of Psalm 46. I think it goes right along with what you were just saying. I think this goes for all of us. This is a difficult thing to do. Excuse me, is it not? Be still. It's a difficult thing to do. And we encourage you in worship to we raise our hands and we worship him. But before we do that this morning, I just want us to take a few moments and get still. Get still before him. Try to remove all those distractions. Ask him for help to remove those distractions. What's for lunch? What's for dinner? Can't believe I still have to go food shopping this afternoon. That meeting on Monday morning I'm not looking forward to. When can we get a snow day? Why is it snowing? Whatever you're thinking about that's distracting you right now. I just want us to put that aside this morning. Bible says in Psalm 46, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Which to me says that we got to stop for a moment. And then we can understand and know He is God. We need to put aside the distractions, put aside all the things that we came in with, and be still and know that He is God. 
and says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Church, come on, feel feel His presence already this morning. The Lord of hosts is with us. God Almighty Himself, His Holy Spirit is in our midst. He is with us. His presence is here. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And the Bible says, Selah, which is a pause or an exclamation point and a pause at the same time. So can we just do that for a moment? Let's just get still before him, before we even begin to sing, before we begin to raise our hands or worship. Oh, Lord, we invite you here today. Lord, we just want to know you more. Father, we want to be still this morning and know that you are God. Lord, we sense your presence here already today. Your presence to heal, to restore. Your presence to forgive. Lord, we just come before you, worshiping you with all praise and honor and glory that you deserve. Lord, help us to still our hearts and our minds and our thoughts right now, even as I pray, Lord. We put all those things aside that would distract us from seeking you, hearing from you, receiving from you, worshiping you, glorifying you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you today. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. Mm. Your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. He's here with us. Let's worship him and give him glory. I'm going to dismiss you to come up and um, receive the elements, the body and the blood of Christ. The middle plate is gluten-free, and you're going to come straight down and then circle back to your seats. Um, As we enter into communion, before we do, when we are still before the Lord, all posturing must cease, all campaigning, all explaining, When we stand in stillness before the Lord, he sees us. When he calls us to stillness, all praying ceases. All praying in the spirit, our doing, even the good doing. When we we get still before God, the reason he has to tell us to do it is because it's, it's it's a little bit of a scary place. Because he sees us for who we are. And there is nothing that requires more faith in his love than being still in his presence and allowing him to just see you as you are.
trusting that his love is for you right there in that moment where all striving ceases. So as you come and as you take your elements, you're going to hold on to them. We're going to partake together. Pastor Andy's going to come up and lead us in communion. But as we do that, let's be intentional about having stillness before the Lord and letting him see us and letting him love us and applying that grace, applying the blood of Jesus to the core of who we are this morning. Come on up and get your elements. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. There's a few things I wanted to share this morning that came to my heart. Jesus is our Lord. He's our Messiah. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And at the same time, he says in John 15, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I want us to focus on the part that he is our friend. I think it's something that we all need to remember. He's our God. He's our Savior and Lord and Master. But he is our friend. We could not be his friends unless... He had befriended us first. We cannot choose him unless he had chose us first. He is your friend. Let that just kind of wash over you. The Lord says, I am your friend. In Mark 15, Jesus on the cross says in verse 33, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This reference that he says is to Psalm 22, which is a prophetic psalm of him, in which David also says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, what he did for us wasn't just, you know, he just got up on that cross and died. He felt the weight of our sin. He took it upon himself. He experienced the forsaking of the Father so we would not have to. He suffered pain that no man has ever suffered. It was a real pain. 
he can identify with your sufferings, my sufferings. He is not unacquainted with them. And he did it. Why? Because he wanted each of us to know his father and be, his, be sons and daughters of his father, but also to be our friend. Because greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And yet he laid down his life while we were yet enemies. And so as we partake today, I want us to focus on that. He understands our suffering. He paid with his life because he loves us and he wants to be our friend. And we get to choose if we want to be his friend by obeying his commands. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to flee evil. And so just take a moment. Let these thoughts wash over you. Take a moment. Ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, whatever they may be. There's all kinds. I myself realized this week that I had an offense towards the Lord because of something I thought he should do for me that he had not done yet. It's a very real thing. And I had to ask the Lord to forgive me of that and release him from my unjust conditions I placed on him. Maybe you have a similar one. But let's take just a couple minutes, seek the Lord, set your heart on him, and then we'll come back and take together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us, for our healing in every area of our life. Thank you, Jesus. We'll take the juice. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that washes us whiter than the snow that we see outside falling. Thank you that you've made us clean and washed us. And we surrender our lives to you, and we call you our friend. Thank you for calling us and making us your friends. We praise you, Jesus. We're going to continue with another song. Feel free to come up to the front. Just worship him with all your heart. As we were singing that last song, <clears throat> in my spirit I felt that there is someone here this morning 
that didn't feel good enough to be able to sing the lyrics of that song. That they couldn't mouth the words, they couldn't say them out loud because they felt like they were not good enough. That their sin was too great. That their wrongs were so atrocious, or so much, or so many, that they couldn't utter those words as we were worshiping him. And the Lord would say to you this morning, it is by my stripes, my bloodshed, my body broken, I paid the price for you. I paid the price for you, says Jesus this morning. That none of us are good enough. Join with the rest of us because not one of us has earned it. Not one of us was good enough. Not one of us was strong enough. Not one of us did all the right things or made all the right decisions. Not a single person in this room. And the Lord wants you to know this morning that because of what he did for you, you can sing to him. Because of the price that he paid for you, you can worship him. Because of his cross that he bore, you can worship him this morning. So if that was you this morning, we're going to sing the chorus one more time. And I want you to sing it with all your might because you are good enough because what he did for you and Jesus sees you and God sees you through the blood of Jesus and you are whole you are free you are righteous so let's sing to him this morning is the father praise the son praise the praise you, we praise you this morning, that you love us so much, you would lay down your life to be our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. So Lord, we come to you this morning as broken people, as sinful people. But we come before you and we say, thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you made a way where there was no other way. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the only way to the Father. So, Jesus, we lift you up today. We lift up your name today. We glorify you today. We worship you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning I saw this video and, and there was a, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but there was this man, and he was just confidently preaching to nobody. It wasn't a video of a pastor in a church. It just was a video of a person. He was just preaching very confidently. And he made this statement. He said, there is, there is no protection from the Lord for those who are in disobedience. And I thought, huh. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's called mercy. <laughs> it's, it's called mercy. It's called mercy. God is so merciful to us, church. 
His love for the lost cannot be measured. And his mercy for those who walk in disobedience because of woundedness, because of blindness, he does not despise them. Whether they are saved or unsaved, he does not despise you for your struggle. It is true that you cannot willfully walk in disobedience and walk in the fullness of the blessings of the Lord. That is a true statement. But oh, his mercy has been so great to me. His mercy endures forever for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, according to his name. There is no end to the depth of his mercy. Those who I fear for the most are those who sit in pews every Sunday and sit in condemnation and criticism of the world and of their fellow believers. It is those people who I fear for because they do not give mercy they do not receive mercy because they do not give grace. They do not receive grace. For as we forgive, we are forgiven, church. Broaden your heart to receive all the love and the mercy and grace that you need. And it will overflow for those around you. And we are called for one purpose, and that is to reach to the world of the lost and to show them Jesus with our testimony of how we were once lost and dead in sin, and yet he loved us and he redeemed us. And not one of us earned it. Praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord this morning for his goodness and his mercy. Father, I pray your mercy over that man. He's a real person in a real video, God, and I just pray that he would know your mercy and your grace for the lost and for him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to transition into a time where we can make some moves and do some things that need done. Um, If you have your tithes and offerings, those buckets will be up here this morning. You can bring your tithes and offerings joyfully to the Lord. This morning, trusting him with your finances, just as we trust him with our relationships, with our health, with all things. Um, Nursery is open for the babies, zero to three, and Little's ministry is happening um, for ages four through six. If you ECF kids, you know your bag, your sermon bag is over there in the corner. If you're a guest with us, there's a connection card in the back of the chair. You can go ahead and fill that out, put your email, and... um, We'll just send you a welcome email, connect with you, uh, and I think that's it. Yeah, where do they put them up here? The- yeah, connection cards can come in the offering buckets, and there's also a box over there if you want to keep to the back. I love the back. The back is, <laughs> just this morning, Maggie said, Mom, why do the pastors sit up front? I said, well, she's five. I said, well, we're like the mom and dad of the church, and you know how mom and dads, they sit in the front of the car? Because they have the GPS and they kind of know where they're going and they kind of know how to get there. And the kids kind of just ride in the back. It's like, that's kind of how it is. So we sit in the front. Yeah. 
But anyway, there's a box in the back if you're like a back person. I feel you back there. Um, and then we'll come together. We'll come back together. We'll, we'll come back together in about five minutes or so, and we'll hear the word. Okay. All right, church friends. Good job, Mike. Good job, Michael Donahue. He jumped to attention like, yes, ma'am. I like it. I like it. All right, a couple of announcements. Um, Tonight, the Luciano group is meeting here at 630. Uh, Paul is starting a new series on divine healing. This is his passion. This is his expertise. He has a book that he has purchased uh, in bulk, and he is passing it out. So there's no cost to you. Um, This is a group that meets every third Sunday evening at 630, um, and that's tonight here in the sanctuary, and um, but tonight he is starting this, this new series. Oh, look at it. It's right there, Practical Guide to Receiving Divine Healing Through God's Word. So come, learn. If you have, if you've been struggling physically, then come. If you know someone who's been struggling physically, bring them, because this is the way, is, you know, um, to renew your mind and to get some knowledge and to apply it and to actually see it manifest. There's so many testimonies of healing in this church. So praise God for that. Uh, Second, young adult group has changed to second and fourth Tuesdays in the family room. The family room is right across the lobby. Um, Young adult group is ages 18 to 28. And what's funny is I thought it was always on Tuesdays, but then I realized, no, they switched to Mondays for a little while, and now I think, right, you're back to Tuesdays. So if you are a young adult or you know a young adult, they're a really chillax group of people, I think, I don't know, George is in there, and there's little dog hairs. I was like, oh, George has been here. So, um, you know, they're, they're really, they study the word, and they have a good time. Last announcement, Good Friday service um, is at Erie First. This is a multi-church service. That's April 9th at 630. Whoa, that says April 7th. This paper says April 9th. That's correct. It's the April 7th, right? Because Easter is on the 9th. Yeah. Okay. So April 7th at 6.30. Um, again, multi-church. So New Beginnings, Erie First, and Erie Christian Fellowship. Yeah, plus others. But we partner with those churches in that we love them. We go out with Pastor Nicole. We go out with Pastor Matt um, and his wife, Jen, and we encourage one another, and we talk with one another, um, and we genuinely love each other, and we love each other's churches because we are one church. And that's what we call those, those get-togethers. It's the one church. Um, and so there's other churches that are coming as well. So good Friday service. Okay, there was a, there was a question if, we have, if there's child care or not at the good Friday service. I don't know that yet, so I will find out. Uh, actually, we meet, actually the group that uh, Pastor Liz was talking about, we meet this coming Wednesday Uh, at four o'clock. So I'll get all the information I need to know about the specifics of that service this week. Uh, Then we can relay that to you guys next week. Sound good? Okay. Everybody ready to continue to worship the Lord with our giving? Okay. Wow. Hold on. Steve, do you need to turn me up a little bit here? Is everybody ready to worship the Lord with our giving? All right. There we go. All right. Now I have a difficult scripture for you. So hold on. Watch your cheering here for a second. Hebrews 3 is one of the parts of our Bible reading we've been doing this week. Hebrews 3, 
And it says this in verse 18. And to him did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey. It's like, whoa, wait a second. So what's this? there's obedience, it's tied to rest. What's going on here? Verse 19, then is the follow-on to that. It says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And, you know, you read these scriptures about, you know, tithing, and you read these scriptures about this and that. And what the Lord really said here is the reason, he told me, I mean, the reason why we disobey God's commands many a times is because of unbelief. We don't actually believe and trust God that he will provide more with 90% than if we held the whole 100% and try to make it work ourselves. And so when we, if you think of some of this, the commands and the, the things in scriptures that God commands us to do, many a times we walk in this disobedience, not willfully, not be like, well, you know, I'm just not going to do that even though the Bible says it, but we walk because something on the inside of us has unbelief in that promise or in that verse or something where it's linked in deep into our heart. So my prayer for us this morning over our giving, over our tithes and our offering that he would help our unbelief. That he would help our unbelief in every area of our life. That we would trust him so fully that we would obey his commands because he wrote them and they're good for us. And we would trust him in that. And there's a reason behind it. And that we always remember that when, even though we don't see it, even though we don't feel it, that he is working. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just ask you, Lord, to help our unbelief. Whatever area it is in our life, whether it's finances or relationships or salvation or the believer's authority or all the things, Father, Lord, help us in our unbelief. We want to trust you, Lord. Lord, your word, as we study it, as we learn from it, Lord, it builds our faith. So today, as we enter into your word and we hear your word today, Lord, that we would just, our faith would grow. Our faith would grow like multiple fold this morning in who you are, and that we can trust you, and that we can love you, and we can give our lives to you. We give you all these things. Father, bless this message today. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, open with me in your Bibles. Uh, let's go, why don't you go to Matthew 13. Now, I'm not going to go just there on the slides yet, <clears throat> but I want you to go to Matthew 13, because I'm going to walk through a passage of Scripture there that I want to talk about in leading up into uh, the things that I want to share with you this morning. So as, I, as you guys know, we've been doing this Believer's Authority series for a very long time. Uh, and I just, re- again, we're getting close. I promise. We're getting close to moving on. But I still feel there's still a few more things that God wants to show us and reveal to us in his word regarding this principle and this foundation of the believer's authority before we move on. So what I've been asking you guys each week is how many of you had the opportunity and then actually did use the believer's authority this week in some area in your life? All right, all right, we're getting there. More and more hands each week are going up. I, I, you know, once, when every hand goes up, I'll be done. I'm just kidding. We're, it's okay. We're going to move on at some point. But I have noticed as we're going through this, in my own life, there is moment after moment after moment every single day and where there's an opportunity for me to use the believer's authority in my life. 
And I shared with you guys last week that I was beginning to have those stomach issues and those stomach pains. This was something God healed in my, in my body. I don't know exactly what it was, but he healed me years ago. And most recently, I've been dealing for weeks and weeks and weeks. Every time I ate any type of pasta sauce, an egg, an onion. Like there's times where breakfast and lunch, I couldn't think of one thing that I would want to eat without it upsetting my stomach. And I was living with this for several weeks. And so here I am preaching on the believer's authority. And, you know, God gently reminded me, hey, Pastor Jason. He doesn't call me Pastor Jason. He just says Jason. Right? Yeah, there's no, there, he doesn't give any titles. He's just like, yo, dude. <laughs> hey, brother, listen to me. He's like, you're preaching on the believer's authority. How about you use it? Yeah. And so there was an opportunity. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. In the name of Jesus, my stomach is healed and it's whole and it will digest everything that I put into it and I will make wise choices and I will be led by the Holy Spirit in what I put into my mouth. But at the end of the day, my stomach is healed and whole and it will digest. And do you know, as honest as I'm standing up here, not one time this week did my stomach hurt from anything that I ate. And it's just like, wow, man, Pastor Jason, that's amazing. No. Well, yeah. Why? Because he's amazing. Because the authority that I took over the situation was not my authority. It was God's authority delegated to us as believers to utilize in our day-to-day life. And the whole reason we're doing this message series is because he told me, Jason, how long will you live with something I've already given you the authority to change? And I was praying to him to change a situation in which he already gave me the authority to deal with. The Bible says that God, Jesus himself, has given us all authority over all the power of the enemy. He said he gave it to us. To us. Not to anybody, to believers. He gave it to us. If I have it, and Jesus gave it to me, guess what? He expects us to use it. And so when we don't use it, and we cry, say, Jesus, why aren't you helping me? A lot of times he says, I've given you my name. I've given you the authority. Take authority now. And so that is why we've been spending so long on this series because I believe it's an important, important, important way that we need to live our life and it is becoming more and more important as we approach Jesus' return. So today, this week, we were one week closer to Jesus' return than last week. And I do not know the day. (laughs) And I will not predict the day. I will not talk about the day. But what I can tell you is all the signs that begin to say that the Lord's return is near in the Bible, we're beginning to see them. Or we have been seeing them, actually. We have been seeing them. And I believe in these last days, the Lord will rise the church up to be the light of the world to see a great harvest and a great awakening. But there's also going to be challenges and trials and tribulations because the Bible says that they're coming. They're already here in a lot of cases. And he has given us this authority to use so that we can live victorious day by day no matter the situation. So when I wake up in the morning, I want to be like, you know what? Whatever situation is going to face me today, whatever circumstances in front of me today, Jesus is with me, I have the believer's authority, and I'm going to walk in that truth, I'm going to walk in that faith today, and I'm going to use it every opportunity that I can. I want you, okay, 
This is not very theological. I would rather have you use it even when potentially it may not be the perfect theological situation for you to use a believer's authority because I want you to begin to trust and grow in the Lord and say, you know what? Doggone it. What is going on in this situation? This is not right. This cannot stay and in the name of Jesus. I want you to begin to speak it and to use it. And I gave the message way back on the seven reasons when you use in the name of Jesus why it doesn't work. And you can go back and listen to that and learn from that. But I want us to grow in this and I want us to use it over and over and over. And I can tell you something, church. I am, oof, I don't know where all this is. None of this is in my notes. I'm just going off here today. Okay? Amen. Let it rip, Let it rip baby. <laughs> Because I'm concerned about the church in general. I I am. Uh, Not us in particular, but the church in general. And the reason I say that is because in interaction after interaction that I have, not with people of the world, which as we talked about earlier, like I don't know why we're shocked or surprised why they do things or act in certain ways. They don't have Jesus. They haven't understood that. Like, okay, whatever. I get that. Like, let's get Jesus to them. Let's love them like Jesus did. I'm a sinner. They're a sinner. Hey, we all, we all need Jesus. My concern is in the church is that we have allowed things to infiltrate in our lives and in our home life and what we watch and what we see and what we dabble in and what we mess around with inside our own houses, inside our own families that God wants us to have nothing to do with. We went out uh, this week uh, for a, uh, a birthday party for Ruby Lou and we went to the mall and one of the stores in the mall, anyone who has uh, girls, little girls, teenagers, knows of the store called Claire's. And all those said, uh-huh, yeah, I get that, yeah. So in there, in Claire's, there was, and I didn't even see it happening, but around the side there was these, you know, the uh, astrology stuff and the different months and what you were born and what to this and the zodiac things and all this stuff. And... Without mentioning any names, they don't attend this church, so it doesn't, you know, if it did, then it would be my issue to, to address. But one of the people that were at this party were like, oh, yeah, look at this. This is so great. This is so neat. I know all about this. What about this? And what sign were you? And what month were you born in? This is from a Christian home. And I just am concerned that, in general, we have not put our guard up on these things. And I want us as a church as, as ECF and as a, glo- as a big church, as one church, I believe we need to understand and see that we have to be so diligent and so careful with the things that we allow to come into our home. And the reason I say that is because we're allowing things in our home that begin to get a foothold in our house and in our lives and in our hearts. And we have to be so careful not to allow it. And if it is there, we have to stop it. And we have to let it, we have to really kick it out. We have to do one of those. No more in Jesus' name. This stuff has to go. Totally separate. Don't know why I said that. It must have been for somebody. Or maybe it was for me. Okay, all right. So Mark 16 is our key verse that we've been looking at uh, throughout this entire series. And it says this. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
And these signs will follow those who believe. These signs. And so Mark is about to list out the signs that should be following a believer. Someone who is walking with the Lord. And as I've said before, this is a believer, you could be day one of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And these signs can follow you. This is not, like, it doesn't say, like, as long as you were a Christian for 30 plus years, now the signs will start to follow. It doesn't say, if you are a pastor, the signs will start to follow. It doesn't say, if you went to Bible school, these signs will follow. It doesn't say, if your parents were Christians, these signs will follow. It says, no, those who believe. Period. It's actually the colon, yeah. Those who believe. And so the question we be asking ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus did what he did and rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe that you are joint heirs with him? Do you believe that he has raised us up into the spiritual realms and that we are, he is our brother? And that we have the authority that he has given us? Do you believe that? Because until you believe it, you can't operate in it. You can't walk in it. And that's why we've been spending this time on this, because I want you to believe and understand. And when we hear the word of God, our faith begins to grow, and we can believe. It says, in my name, they will cast out demons. Church demons exist. Oppression exists. Possession exists. It is as alive today in the United States of America as it's ever been. And it's, look, the enemy is tricky. He is subtle. He is sneaky. He's a liar. He's a, he's a thief. But he finds ways to get in. And he gets like some of the stuff that I was talking about earlier. If we have to be vigilant about keeping those things out. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. It is a supernatural favor and protection that God has to us. We talked about Paul when the, the viper grabbed onto him when he was moving the firewood around and it didn't hurt him. Had no effect on him. Because why? Everyone else around him was like, what just happened? It begins to arrest the attention of those around. When these signs begin to occur in our lives, people around us are saying, what is, what is going on here? Tell me more about what is happening. And if you notice, Paul on, on that island, after the snake bite, he, God went around through Paul and healed everyone on the island that was sick. You talk about opening up some eyes, ready to go. That's what this verse is talking about. It says they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Not might, not should, not maybe, but they will recover. Recover. So these signs are to notify us in the direction in where we are pointing people to go. This believer, this definition of a believer, anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. Do you believe this morning? Authority is this delegated power. I was able to really speak to a situation in my life through his power, his delegated power, and I had the right to command and enforce obedience over this situation in my life. 
And let me tell you something, guys. This is not like a fancy formula. This isn't like, man, if I can just get the formula right, if I can just say the words in the right specific, you know, in, in, in this right order, or if I, just, if I would have prayed this morning, then I'd feel more comfortable using the believer's authority. If I would have just read my Bible. There's no formula to this. This is what God has given. This is an actual gift God has given us and the ability to use it. And we can grow in it. We can move in it. And our faith begins to grow and begin to move in greater power in the name of Jesus as we, as we move forward. So where, where I have you at? I guys have you in uh, Matthew? All right, Matthew 13. I'm going to start in verse 18. And this is a parable that Jesus is talking about. And I want, to, I want to use this this morning for us to have an understanding to get where I believe he wants us to be and where he wants us to go with this believer's authority. It says this, So therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away. What was sown in his heart, this is he who received the seed by the wayside. And as I read through this scripture, I want you to think of someone walking along a path. Just walking along a path. It's kind of like a narrow path, maybe a dirt path. But there's a path, and there's, you're able to walk on it. You're able to see very clearly. Things seem to be, you know, your foot's pretty stable as you're walking down on this path. Everything seems to be good. It seems to be pretty easy to walk. You got no problems, got no thorns, got no rocks, got no stones. But I'm just walking on this path. And what God is saying or what God is speaking to us here is that many a times we come to church or we get on YouTube or we go somewhere and it's just real easy. Oh, that's a good word for me. I'm just going to pick that up. That's no problem at all. I'm just going to keep on walking. No issue. But what it says here is that the wicked one comes and snatches it away. And so what the word is saying to us here, as we're walking along this path, yeah, there's a path of ease, and we can just pick stuff up and use it all day, and we think about it all the time. And then something happens, and the enemy steals it away. What happened to me, right? I've been talking about the believer's authority, and the enemy came and tried to steal my joy, steal my peace, began to infiltrate and began to work on my stomach, and I had to say, whoa, 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 whoa. But I was walking for weeks down that path, going like this, holding my stomach. Hey, I'm not going to be all right. My stomach hurts. But what God is saying is, no, we need to, there's a path that's a little bit harder to walk. And what he's asking us to do is to go walk on that path. Verse 20 says this, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Come on, this is like Sunday morning. Yeah, come on. Amen, preacher, pastor, preach it to me today. Oh, yeah, come on, preacher, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. On Sunday morning, all day for like two hours. And the moment you get home, sometimes even into the parking lot, it's like we forgot everything we just heard. Yeah, come on, right? You go hit the button, the car doesn't start. Or if the infamous low tire pressure light comes on, how many of you have ever had any issues with the low tire pressure light? Like that thing is next level, wants to send me to the moon in frustration. There is no way my tire is low. It's not possible. I just filled it up. Everything is fine. It's the sensor. I know it's wrong, right? And you just like, boom. Everything I just heard at church is gone. 
Everything is gone. And the Bible tells us about this. He goes on to say, it's like, hey, you immediately receive this with joy, verse 21, yet he has no root in himself. Interesting. But endures only for a while. For when tribulation, tire pressure lights on your car, minor tribulation in the grand scheme of things, although one nonetheless, or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And so this is like you're, you're, you're walking on. The, so here's the path. And now you took a step off. Now you're at church. Ooh, yeah. Things are good. That was a good word, Pastor. You guys probably can't remember a thing I said last week. But hey, I'm coming back and everything's going really well. But you're walking on these stones. You're like, whoa, whoa. And all of a sudden you begin to forget everything that's happened. All the word that God has given you begins to just, it sneaks away. Because what the Bible says, we have to be diligent to get this into our heart and to keep it there. And guess what, church? It's not easy. Just coming to church on Sunday morning and praying a little bit and reading the Bible, you know, periodically, that's not what he says. We have to get this deep into our hearts. We have to live this out day in and day out, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, whether you're walking on the easy path, whether you're walking on the rocks, whether you're in the thorns, or eventually when you get to the good ground that we're going to see here in a minute. And it's difficult. Everybody just wants to walk on the path, yeah? The easy path. I want no issues, no problems. Everything's all good. In this world, you will have tribulation, the Bible says. You will have trouble. So why do we get shocked when there's trouble? I'm one of those guys, right? I'm shocked when the light goes on. I'm shocked when my low tire pressure light goes on. I don't know why. It happens to me all the time, every car I've ever had. I get shocked by it, but you're just like, don't be shocked by it. You will have trouble. You will, and we have to stand and walk in the authority that God has given us. Verse 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. And think about this path that we're walking. So we walked on the easy path. Ooh, that's a great word. Then we're on the stones. Ooh, Hallelujah, that was joyful, but we get a little rocky, and now we're over here in the thorns. Anybody ever walk through thorns? Bristles? It's like you don't even know that they're there, and all of a sudden you, your legs are all torn up, right? They're all ripped up. You're like bleeding. Like the, What you want to go do is just jump back on the easy path. That's what we all want to do in our lives. We just want to jump back on that easy path. But the Lord is telling, what he's saying here is, look, there's the enemy tries to come to steal. The world tries to come to steal. There's deceitfulness of riches. All these things, tribulations and trials, all want to try to steal this. But don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Keep going, keep going. There is a place that is off the path of the world, that's off the path that everybody else is walking on, where there is fruit and there is blessing. And he begins to talk about this in verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground, no one is tilling and planting in the pathway. No one's tilling and planting in the rocks. No one's tilling and planting in the thorns. It's when you finally get off of that path and you get into this good ground and you get into good soil and you begin to take the stuff that has been blocking and the sin that has been ensnaring you and you begin to tear it out and begin to work on it and ask the Lord to say, Lord, I need your help with this. Help my unbelief in these areas of my life. When you begin to move that stuff away and you get to that good ground, here's what happens. And he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit 
and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And I believe, church, that as we grasp this message and this understanding of the believer's authority, there will be some in here that will have a hundredfold return of testimonies on using the believer's authority. There will be some in here that will have 60. There will be some in here that have 30. And I don't mean, I mean 30 is a lot. I mean like a lot. I feel like even 30 is a lot. So the 100, I really feel that God is just going to begin to minister through this church and through this congregation and us as a people to see the city changed, to see Erie changed, to see lives transformed, to see the lost to be saved, to see the sick healed, to see families thriving, families that were about to break up to be radically changed. Those who were lost and want to take their life to be radically saved. Those who were on their deathbed who had no other hope, no other way, no other thing they could do, they would see them healed in Jesus' name. That's what I'm believing for. That's what gets me excited about what we've been talking about. So I have a, a message. It's a short, a short message this morning, as if I've not already been giving it. It's called Seven Ways to Have Authority and Reign in Life. Part one. See, this is like a preacher's way to have you come back for part two. See, what you do is you make the series seven points, and you're like, that's way too many for one message. Ain't nobody's going to remember the seven points. So you do like three on one message, and then four on the other, and you do a part one and part two, so you all have to come back to hear the part two, which I'll be doing next week, okay? All right, seven ways to have authority to reign. Honestly, I was going to do it all at once, but I feel like I should split it. Okay. Number one is to decide to reign. We tell our kids this all the time. You know that you have a choice. We all have a choice. You have a choice whether or not to come to church today. You have a choice whether or not to go to work tomorrow. We have choices all the time. And sometimes it feels like we don't have a choice, but guess what? You nearly almost always, in every circumstance, have a choice. A choice how to respond, a choice how to react. And here, church, we have a choice to decide to reign. It has to be a decision that you make. You have to decide on it this morning. Throughout this series, you have to say, you know what? I am going to decide to reign. The Bible says we are born again with a new nature. We are born again with a new nature. The old man is gone, the new man is on, so how about we live that way? How about we decide to rule and reign with Christ Jesus? The Bible says that we are heirs. We are heirs with Christ. Do you understand what that means? If he's got a cattle on a thousand hill, and you are heirs, and I'm an heir, and you're an heir, and we're all heirs, do you know that we all have access to that same cattle on a thousand hills? It's not like it's split up. It's not like, well, there's, you know, there's 300 million Christians, and maybe there's a billion Christians. So each Christian gets this little teeny piece of the inheritance or the little teeny benefactor of what Jesus did for us. We get a little bit of that authority, not very much, and the more Christians that there are, the more diluted it becomes. And so you just, we don't get anything. Now the Bible says we are heirs with him. With him. Which means everything that he's got, we've got. And so we have to decide 
that we are, in fact, what God says we are, and we are heirs with him, and we are seated in heavenly places with him. We have to decide that. You have to decide to reign. This is a decision that we have to make. The Lord spoke to me, this was a long time ago. Uh, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys. I usually date myself. I didn't write the date in my notes uh, of when it happened. But it was, actually, it was during Bella Godoy's graduation party. I wasn't there yet. And I was actually home alone, which is very strange. Okay, we have a lot of children. And for me to be home alone, you weren't, there was nobody there. Like, and there, we didn't have dogs at the time either. It was legitimately, I was alone at home. Okay, this is a big deal. Probably for some of you, it was just like, yeah, that happens all the time. Never happens for me, okay? So this happened. And I just remember the Lord just, I was just, I watched like a YouTube video of somebody preaching, and I just felt like the Lord say, shut that off, and just begin to seek me. And I was like, okay. So I shut it off, and I was sitting on the couch in the family, I remember right where I was at, and I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm here, you know, Lord, I love you, right? You know, you're trying to get yourself going, right? Lord, I love you, praise you, you're great, Lord. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, like, entered the room with power. And he just came all over me. And I just, I can see, I can feel it now as if I was still sitting there. And I was on the couch, and I couldn't remain on the couch any longer. And I just kind of put my body on the ground, and I was flat on my family room floor. And even though our carpet smells like dogs, previous dogs, I smelled nothing. I mean, I was legit on the floor in his presence. And I just remember crying out. This was well, well before we took over the church uh, that the Lord had asked us to go do. Well before all of that. I was like, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? And he told me, he said, I want you to preach my word. And I was like, God, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to get in front of people. I don't, I don't want to do that. He said, I want you to preach my word. And it was so strong and so heavy on me. And I remember being like, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. And the moment I decided... The moment I made the decision, the moment you make the decision for Christ and your life changes forever. This was a decision moment in my life. And I believe that I'm up here right now because I made a decision, a conscious decision that day on Bella Godoy's graduation party, whatever day that was. Most of you don't even know who Bella Godoy is. Okay, it doesn't matter. It's a graduation party. What's that? Yeah, now it's Bella Irwin. She's married. Okay. This is what the Lord said to me. Jason, because you have decided, now abundant dunamis power will be released as you speak my word. Abundant dunamis, which is life-changing, radically changing power, will be released as you speak my word. Because you have decided, is the words he used to me. Will you decide to reign? Will you decide to use this believer's authority? Will you decide to take authority where authority needs to be taken? Number two, 
Number two is we have to declare it. These are ways to have authority and to reign in life. We have to decide to reign. And number two, we have to declare it. You have to declare it. This, guys, this is, not a passive, this is not a passive faith that we live. Faith without action is what? Dead. Faith without action is dead. We live in an active faith, an active moving faith. And we need to use, and we need to declare, we need to speak, and we need to say. And so the Bible says, say to this mountain, speak to the mountain. And you let God do his work and watch it move. In uh, Job twenty two twenty eight, it says this. You will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you. You know that there is power in our words. We have the power with our words to change circumstances in our lives. When those words are based in trusting in him and they line up with the word of God, we can begin to declare and change things in our life. I was watching uh, last night, was it last night or maybe it was two nights ago, we were watching the uh, college wrestling uh, NCAA finals. It's three days of finals is in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, all these colleges, the, the top college wrestlers all get together and they compete. And we watched on Friday night one of the biggest upsets in college wrestling history. What had happened was there was a, one, the, one, the one young man who was wrestling had been undefeated for like three or four years. He won three national championships in a row. He was going for his fourth national championship. He was in the semifinal, one match away from going to win his fourth title, which was, you know, it's very uncommon for that to happen, and he got pinned. He got put on his back, and he got pinned. And they interviewed the kid that pinned him, and the words that he said... It was so interesting as he was speaking it because he didn't say the word Jesus. He didn't use anything about, you know, God or thanking God or anything. But what he was using was a biblical principle. But he was using it in, in a way that didn't make any sense for us. But I, and it just it, it hit me. And he said, you know what? I believed that I could beat this guy. And I saw it happen over and over and over. And he said, I began to speak it. Now, he used the word, like, I saw it manifest what I was speaking. But we know in the spiritual realm that when we speak something, we really do see things change in our lives. And we have to decide to reign, and then we have to declare it. We have to say it. And things happen that were unbelievable. That kid beating this other kid, it was unbelievable. We were like, this is unbelievable. This, really, we were like, what just happened? Those who follow wrestling, we we're like, what just happened? But it's interesting because the kid who beat him saw it and he declared it. And so us in our own lives, when it comes to situations in our life, when we can see it, we begin to declare God's word over our situation. Whatever that circumstance might be. And so I have a couple areas this morning that we can declare over in our lives. Number one, we have authority over sin in our life. Do you know that? The Bible says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so when we are struggling, we are challenged with sin, which every single one of us are, we can begin to declare and step in our believer's authority and say this, sin shall not have dominion over me, for I am not under the law, but under grace. 
If you, are, if you are challenged and battling with a sin issue right now, this is what you begin to declare. You repent, you say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I am struggling with this thing, but I am not under the law. I am under grace. Sin shall have no dominion over me. This is in the Bible. It's a biblical principle, and we can walk in that, but we have to declare it. You can't hope that sin doesn't have a hold on you. You can't wish that sin doesn't have dominion on you. You can't be like, oh, God, I just pray that this one. You have to declare and decree, sin, you shall not have dominion over me any longer. For I am not under the law, but under grace. Men, if you're challenged with something, as you know what I'm talking about, there's, there are kids in here, if this is an issue in your life and you're challenged with it and it begins to happen, you have to stand up and declare it and say, no in Jesus' name. This sin will not have dominion over me. Even if you just messed up, you can get up a second afterwards and say, sin shall not have dominion over me. And you begin to declare you need to walk in it. And I'm telling you, watch God move in your life. How about Sickness. Does the Bible say we have any type of authority over sickness? You bet it does. Sickness, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. So what do we declare? We declare that very scripture. You begin to have something coming on you, you feel sickness, you feel whatever it is that's coming on your life. Brooks family, yeah, come on. Every day you guys are declaring this thing. He himself bore my sins in his own body on that tree. That I, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes I am healed. And I love it because they use this past tense verse. Like it's already taken care of, church. We are just de declaring something that God already did the work for. We are declaring it. By his stripes I am healed. How about our thought life? How about our thought life? Anybody challenged with a thought life? Challenging thoughts, things that come at us, things from the enemy, lies, tricks. Like, whoa, you ever do one of those things like, where did that just come from? I can tell you, it came from the enemy. And we begin to think these things and these thoughts and these lives. Well, there's something that we can do. We can declare over these things in the authority that Jesus has given us. In Jesus' name, we can declare, for the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down those strongholds. And I cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you are challenged in your thought life, you begin to declare this. It's not like, hey, all of a sudden everything stops. That could absolutely happen. I believe it can happen. But these are things we have to work. We have to declare it on a daily basis. This believer's authority, I've been declaring every single day over my whole family and over our lives. How about fear? Anybody have any battles or challenges with fear or anxiety? Guess what, church? We can declare, for God has not given me. God has not given us. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. You begin to have a challenge. This is just the word of God. We're, all we're doing here is declaring God's word. 
And what the Bible says is God's word moves with power. It moves out sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces that which needs pierced. So when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to declare, we declare God's word over these situations in our lives. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And how about over confusion? You're in a situation, you're in a circumstance, you don't know what to do, you don't know why this is happening, you're getting frustrated, you begin to spin around, you're just losing sleep, you're losing all this other stuff. God doesn't want you to lose sleep with that because he doesn't want you confused. Guess what? God is not an author of confusion. God does not author confusion in our lives. It says, for God is not the author of confusion, he gives me peace. This is what we begin to declare when we begin to feel like we have some kind of confusion happening in our life. And this is just five areas. I don't know what area you have. I can't go through all the areas, but if there's areas that you have in your life in which you are challenged, find the scripture, declare the word of God over it, and begin to see yourself ruling and reigning in that area of your life. And each of us are different. Each of us have a different challenge in our life. Jake, you want to come up here? I'm going to close with this. I've got to get through point three, so I only have to do four next week. Point three, realize the greater one is in you. Do I think too often I walk around not realizing that the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave dwells on the inside of me when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That the God of all creation the one who created the entire universe, every person, every being, all of it, is on the inside of me. And I want us, church, to understand that in order to walk in this authority and to walk reigning in life, we have to recognize and know that God, the living God, the almighty God, the powerful God, the Holy Spirit, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his love, all of his power, all of everything is on the inside of us. Like if we could get a hold of that revelation and that truth, would you stand a little taller? I think I would. Yeah. Would you stand a little straighter? Would you speak a little bolder? Would you use your believer's authority a little more often if we truly could recognize that the greater one is on the inside of us. 1 John 4.4 4 says this, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you, in you, is greater than than he who is in the world. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, it is my heart as, along with Pastor Liz and Pastor Andy, that we as a church would come to a full and complete understanding of who you are in our lives. And Lord, that we would begin to use and to believe that this believer's authority is for us and we can use it and no matter the circumstance of the situation, 
that we can begin to rule and reign in this life. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us to decide to reign, to declare it over every situation in our life, and to know that the greater one is on the inside of us. We thank you for it in your precious name. Just keep your eyes closed this morning. I want to read this prayer over you that I found kind of as a closing, as a sending off, but just as a confirmation here of what we've been talking about. It goes like this. It says, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, please give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of you, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory, of your inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe. And according to your mighty power, which you wrought in Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, when you raised him from the dead, and set him at your own right hand, in the heavenlies, far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in also that which is to come. And Lord, I thank you that you put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And that you have quickened me when I was dead in my trespasses. Lord, I thank you that you are rich in mercy and that your great love you have shown towards me. Thank you, Lord, that you have raised me up together and made me sit with Christ in the heavenlies. Father, thank you that you have quickened us. And Lord, when you raised Jesus, you raised us. When you seated him, you seated us. And therefore in him we are seated far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. And every name that is named. And Lord, we lift up the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask that we would begin to rule and reign and have that understanding that you have given us this morning. And we thank you for it in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I'm going to close as I do for each of these. There's going to be small group leaders that are going to be up here that can pray with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, maybe you've walked away and you just say, you know what, I just want to return. I just want to return to Jesus. They'll be up here. They can pray with you. If you need healing in your body, they will pray with you up here. But I want to speak what I've been doing every day, every week of this series. We're going to speak to Satan. We're going to tell him to go in every situation in our life. So Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against us. You may not come against this church. You may not come against our families. You may not come against our finances. You are bound away from us and our families. And we are covered and we are cleansed with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, kill, or destroy us anymore in Jesus' name. And I remind you, you are defeated. 
and we are victorious. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you guys. We pray for you often. Again, there'll be small group leaders up here. Have a blessed week. Amen and amen.